Welcome to the Fod Eater Fod Pass. <laughs> what is up, everybody? It is Froth here from the Thought Eater Podcast and Thought Eater Blog. I hope you are doing well. As always, I'm very appreciative for you listening to the shows. Hump Day Blogorama. Back again. It's a weekly show where I'm taking a look at stuff that's going on on RPG blogs across the blogosphere. I yap about it here on the podcast, and then I put up all the links that I discuss over on the Thought Eater blog. You can Google that or go to frothsoft, frothsofdnd.blogspot.com. And I wanted to spend another minute thanking listeners because obviously I wouldn't do this if I didn't love doing it, if I didn't enjoy it. That's got to come first. Anything you do, you know, for fun, for creativity or creative outlet. But really having people listen to it and retweet it stuff and like it and share it and call in and make comments and and all that kind of stuff, certainly backing the Patreon, uh, all that kind of just is really encouraging and helps me to stay motivated to do it week by week because I got to admit there's some weeks you feel a little burnout, you don't feel like jumping into it. And um, so I appreciate you tremendously. And one of the cool things about Anchor. Anchor is like the base platform I do the podcast on and it sends it out to other places for me. So like if you're listening to this on Pocket Casts or one of these, all these other different kind of things, the base thing I record on is Anchor. And so there are these different kind of analytics where I can look and see. It's not super detailed, but I can look and see a little bit of information about where people are listening and all that. And as you might imagine, most of my listeners come from the U.S., Canada, and Great Britain, England, Ireland, all that. But I've noticed creeping up a little bit, there's a, you know, a lot of stuff will be like less than 1%. So there have listeners all over the world, but, you know, and I'm thankful wherever you are. Thanks for listening. But it's not enough to like really register with the with the other groups. But creeping up, I've got some listeners. It looks like in Sweden, that are starting to grow a little bit to where the little percentages is growing up there. So I want to say to the folks out in Sweden, whether it's one person just listening to my shows or a few people out there, I want you to know I appreciate you. I see you, Sweden. I was lucky enough to spend a little time, a couple days in Stockholm with my father before he passed away. And beautiful, beautiful city, awesome history, uh, really clean, nice people. It was really, really good time. I actually went and saw, one of the main things I remember is there was some kind of shipwreck, you know, pulling away from Stockholm. Uh, like the ship sank, you know, just as it was leaving. So unlike a lot of shipwrecks, they knew exactly where, you know, this ship was. And, you know, years later, recently, they had, they had pulled it up and managed to keep the whole thing intact. And they had it set up in this huge building where you can go and look at this intact, fully intact, you know, ship from Galilean or whatever, from a couple hundred years ago. 
uh, which is awesome, which was really awesome. I'll always remember that because it was like uh, going back in time, being able to see something that big and that well-preserved, so that was cool. Food was good. Everything was good. That's a great trip. I'll remember the rest of my life. So anyway, I see you, Sweden. I appreciate you listening, whoever you are. So, all right. So first thing I want to get to on the intro, um, I've got a couple of call-ins from last week we're going to talk about, but uh, I wanted to um, again mention this um, fundraiser for Jim Cramer with this saving throw zine. So there's a couple links up over at the Thought Eater blog, one over at Acratic Wizardry talking about it, and uh, the other is just a direct link to drive through to check it out. Now, it's something you can do to support someone, but honestly, this is a product that's something you'd want anyway. So you're, you're, it's the best of both worlds, helping someone and getting an awesome OSR zine. So be sure and check that out. Got a few call-ins from last week. Going to talk a little bit, uh, well, I got a couple of call-ins from Jason, and uh, Jason's going to talk about uh, the Saving Throw fundraiser, and then get into a little bit about the feet versus yards that we talked about. Uh, if you don't know what, what I'm talking about there, classic D&D, it was in one EA D&D, I don't know if it was in, I don't know, it, maybe it was probably in second edition, I'd figure, but I can't remember if it's in bx or whatever but probably is but um basically ranges range weapons it's in feet indoors or in dungeons then in yards is the rule outdoors and i was talking about that a little bit so we got a comment on that from jason be right back hey jason here just wanted to say thank you for pushing jim kramer's fundraiser there um, you know, my one RPG credit at the moment, you know, real one, not counting the goon jam thing, but my one real credit was actually proofreading one of his products for Usherwood. So n- not a big deal, but, you know, appreciative to him for letting me do that. And, you know, I was real sad when I heard that news, I went off, bought the zine right away, but I'm glad you're you're pushing that out. That's important stuff. He's a good guy. It's a crappy situation. And we all need to support him. So thank you for mentioning it. Take care. So feet versus yards. I would argue that you should default to yards, not to feet. Um, I think you're nerfing the weapons outside. And I realize that comes down to encounter design, like you mentioned. But, you know, 10 yards is close for a bow, right? If you're in a inside a room in a house, it doesn't make 10, 10 yards any further away. Shooting across a room in a house is still super easy with a bow. Um, I understand why they did it, mainly for movement reasons, I think. Um, I haven't read your, the thing you linked to, so I will go back and read that. But I'd love to hear people's thoughts on that as far as weapon ranges. I think weapon ranges, and yeah, you could say, oh, well, it's dark inside where it's lighter outside. But that depends on whether it's dark or light, right? Um, I think weapons should stay in yards. I can see movement distances maybe. But anyway, I'd love to hear other thoughts on that. All right. So you heard there from Jason um, from the Nerds RPG Variety Cast, recently launched podcast here on Anchor. You should be able to find it anywhere. 
And uh, obviously mentioned the Jim Cramer stuff. That's a, the least I can do. I really think people should support it. I think it's an awesome product that people would want anyway. So uh, people should definitely check that out. As far as the feet and yards, you know, I'm going back the other way. I, I, I prefer feet. And I'll tell you why. It has nothing to do with realism and how far someone can actually shoot a bow. It's more about like kind of the just gamest balance between weapons that I've just grown used to over the years. If it's in yards, there's no real significant distance for most encounters, almost any encounter, really, between short bows and long bows. Um, and so, you know, for at least for my most of my encounters, you know, there's no difference. You just, why not use just the short bow? And the other thing, too, is other weapons like the dagger and uh, and darts, you know. I want those to feel kind of crappy, close range, to throw them uh, with accuracy. And darts, especially since you get, you know, the rate of fire is like three in first edition. If you stretch that out to yards, uh, it's not like it's overpowered or anything. I guess it's just the way I'm used to it is those di distances really being significant. And uh, if you expand everything out to yards, uh, it loses that and it kind of, there's no drawback to any of the weapons, you know, to any of the ranged weapons really, because except for reloading, because they're all can shoot a long way. Anyway, that's, that could have been a, it was like I mentioned that, that topic could have been explored more into a whole podcast, but, um, anyway, when I think more about it, it's like, nah, I think I'd stick with feet, but to each their own. All right, so next I've got some call-ins about the uh, final topic from last week, and that was talking about the Consent and Gaming, Monty Cook's Games product that was getting a lot of talk, um, uh, still getting talked about quite a lot. And I just rambled about it a little bit, um, talking about different differing expectations and uh, how much player input players have on games and different expectations about content disclosures that people might have and stuff like that. So uh, I've got another call in from Jason, also from Joe from Hindsightless and the Wheeler Woe podcast, and then some excellent thoughts from Liren from Updates from the Middle of Nowhere. I'm just going to play these all together and let y'all listen to them, and I'll be right back. Yo, Froth, what up? It's Joe, man. Uh, you were talking about how, you know, people are generally cool with, like, the general warning that this is adult content and that people wouldn't have a problem with that. But I'll remind you back in the eighties and nineties when people like Tipper Gore were trying to ban rap music and punk rock music and heavy metal music by slapping the adult content stickers on the front of the album covers. Uh, people had a lot of problems with that, especially, you know, the young folks. So there's always going to be people out there that buck against what they see as authority and, yeah, I just don't get why people get so goddamn riled up about it. Like, Monty Cook wasn't saying this is what you have to do. I'd never use that in my game because, like you, I don't need to. I have a group I've been playing with for years. But because so many of those things on the checklist are in my games, I'd need to if I got anybody new. All right, peace. Hey, Froth. Jason here. Going to work. Hopefully I'm not getting an accident. Hurling down the road talking to you. Um, just want to mention about your the consent on gaming thing. I about mirror your thoughts, to be honest. I mean, who would have thought you need to have consent, you know, have an agreement 
you can smoke X amount of weed during this game session, right? But the bottom line is this. There are some good ideas in there. Setting GM and player expectations is definitely a good thing. If there are big trauma elements that people have issues with, it's good to know that so you can plan around it, right? And ultimately, you don't have to use this checklist. Like you said, and maybe you, if a checklist is appropriate for your group and this one doesn't fit, you just draft your own. So don't make a big thing out of it, but there's lessons to be learned here. Take what's useful and leave the rest. Take it easy, man. Hey, Froth, it's Lirian. I was just listening to your Hump Day podcast and I got to the end with the part about consent and I had a couple of thoughts I wanted to share. So, first of all, I think I'm going to start with the last thing you said. Um, I wonder if the problem with the whole player control thing isn't a like just a preference or a, a sense of, um, uh, what's the word, a sense of becoming obsolete or threatened by the way new games are run. I mean, it takes a different kind of mentality to run a game where the GM is laying down the rules and the players are just moving through what the GM has set up. And the other end of the spectrum where, you know, the players and the GM are together, literally together, building the game and everything in between. It seems like when someone has a problem with more clarification about what the content of the game will be, it is about feeling threatened or feeling somehow insulted by having their power over the game they're running impugned. I don't know that that's what it is, but I wonder if that isn't a part of it. You know, like the knee-jerk reaction that some people have to asking for consent about anything. Like the whole, oh, you're just being a snowflake thing, you know, that's so popular these days with some people. About it, you know, people are allowed to have sensitivities to things. And, you know, it could be that a consent paid uh, checklist like that will bring more people into gaming. It could be that some people aren't gaming for because they've had a bad experience with someone who is like that UK GM who thought it was funny to make people wake up and think they'd been raped. I mean, I don't know on what planet that's funny, but you know, maybe that's because I'm a girl. I don't know, but I I have to tell you, I have no interest in gaming with someone who finds rape amusing. So I would love a warning ahead of time that a GM thinks that stuff is okay or funny or, you know, I don't know. I'm, and trust me, I've been called a snowflake, so maybe that none of this is surprising, but <laughs> I, I just think that it can't hurt to have more clarification and it could be that people who have had some unpleasant experiences in their life or in previous games will actually come back to the hobby, you know, and, and And I don't think that people who want to run something that people just go through on rails have to be threatened by the fact that there are games where you don't have to do that. Just be clear that's what you're doing and the people who want that will thoroughly enjoy it and the people who don't want it won't bother with it, you know? So anyway, that's just my thoughts. All right, so that was awesome stuff there from Liren, Joe, and Jason. Liren, I want to single out a little bit because first of all Liren just had her hundredth episode her hundredth podcast episode from updates from middle of nowhere so congratulations on that and I was really hoping that you would be listening to the podcast last week and that you would call in because um, I really value your opinion and I think you really nailed a lot of things there 
and you did it in three minutes where I rambled for like 20 something, you know, all night. So thank you for that. You know, I don't, um, as far as like the expectations and GM control and everything, I think for some people it probably is maybe a little bit threatened or they, or, you know, just cause it's different. They, they don't like it, but there is, I hate to use the word tradition, but there is also kind of a tradition and a, uh, it's not exactly a pageantry, just kind of a, a, a way of things, kind of a, uh, I don't know. It's kind of like you go to someone's house for a, for a nice dinner, you know, you don't say, Oh God, these green beans taste like garbage. You know, you maybe just politely bite, take a bite of the green beans and, and then, uh, you know, it's kind of like I teach my daughter, you know, to try a little bite of everything. If you don't like it, just don't eat it, but please don't say anything, you know? So there's a little bit of that, um, with kind of the way the old school stuff set up now, uh, you know, if the green beans are full of razor blades, you know, you don't, you're not going to eat them, you know, and if the, if, if, if you're getting into this, this analogy has gone haywire. Uh, I'm going to just drop that analogy. Point is Liren, well stated. Thank you. Uh, like I say, I value your opinion. I'm glad you called in. Um, uh, and then to, to what you were saying, Joe, yeah, you know, getting in that PMRC and all that old Tipper Gore stuff, uh, you know, that was really more with censorship though. You know what I mean? Um, banning, you know, I guess there was that two live crew album that was actually banned for a minute there. And I'm not talking about people being cool with that or even really just having stuff stripped out and being censored. But, um, you know, I don't think most people have a problem with just a, like a, a ratings system. You know, but you, your, your point is well taken. There is other stuff like, uh, like the comics code, you know, that kind of came out that really acted less as a, um, you know, less as a seal of, you know, content approval or whatever, more as a, uh, censorship type thing. And, and I don't want any kind of censorship. If people want to run whatever kind of games, run them, but, um, having some kind of disclosure, uh, I think depending on the content is, uh, is really honestly expected. And, um, I just think people have different expectations about how much of the content is disclosed. And, um, but I, you know, and I think, uh, going back to Liren real quick, I think that was a good point that uh, it could bring more, some more people into gaming because I do think, um, I think that is true. I think, uh, there's nothing wrong with people being sensitive and a lot of people have been through some horrible things. And if they can, uh, people want to feel like they're in a, a safe environment and, uh, you know, it's not to say somewhat, you know, that's not call, you know, calling somebody a snowflake cause they've been through something traumatic is just, uh, absurd. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, when we have these, these, examples like at that convention and everything to, to, to point to, um, you know, clearly people can be surprised. And, uh, and like you say, nobody wants to, I can't imagine anybody wanting to play in that game. I guess there are a few people out there. Um, anyway, God, 
hopefully my my brain and my mouth start working a little bit better as we go on through the show here. But anyway, thank you all for calling in. Thank you for your viewpoints and sharing it. Appreciate it tremendously. All right, so Dave Arneson has been kind of in the RPG blogosphere in the air recently with the the um, the release of the um, Secrets of Blackmoor documentary, as well as this Kotaku article that kind of uh, brought back into the um, into discussion a lot of uh, the kind of guy history of the game with Gygax and Arneson and everything and. Um, we're coming up on Dave Arneson Game Day, celebrated on October 1st. Uh, first, I'm taking you over to Havard's Blackmore blog. Havard has been running this, blackmoremastara.blogspot.com, been running this blog for a long time. One of the uh, you know, premier, probably the premier supporter of Arneson's work in the Blackmore setting and Blackmore uh, campaigns and everything uh, over the years. And uh, they're talking about... Blackmore Week. They're kicking it off. An annual uh, a week leading up to Dave Arneson Game Day. Uh, it's got links to a Facebook event for Dave Arneson Game Day. A, th- uh, a thread at the Comeback Inn that Havard uh, either runs or is a, or the mods or runs with other people. A forum, you know, centered around Blackmore and everything. And um, it's encouraging people to write about Arneson, run games, do all this stuff to kind of celebrate for that. So I put that up and also wanted to mention that a lot of the OSR anchorites, the legends, the legendary anchorites that you podcast here on Anchor, um, uh, I don't know if it was Ray Otis that came up with it or Ray Otis from Plundergrounds or Ray and Cody M from, from No Safe For You, but if you follow along with Anchor Podcasts, a lot of the folks doing these DIY RPG podcasts on here, look out for October as it's going to be Anchorites Appreciate Arneson Month. And so the whole idea here is for October. Um, there, There's ideas to do podcast topics by week. On various Arneson-related things, including things like rules. We don't need no stinking rules. Um, and, and and a bunch of other kind of Arneson-inspired topics. So I'm thinking of some ideas maybe to throw throw out for these. Um, but if you're listening to Anchor Podcasters, you can look forward to that. Uh, a lot of celebrating Dave Arneson's work throughout the month of October. So that should be really cool. So if you're into the early history of the game... Um, uh, into Arneson's work and everything. There's lots of ways coming up here, you know, starting now and leading on into October that uh, you'll have an opportunity to to celebrate uh, what Arneson did uh, to make, uh, you know, t- to make all this fun stuff happen. So let's get into the maps. And I'm starting over the things we do for xp.blogspot.com or Loft's blog. They're talking about their pirate wave crawl they're doing uh, using Isle of Dread. And they've got some maps, uh, handouts for the Isle of Dread that that Skirples from Coins and Scrolls did. But then they also mentioned, wow, if you want a really well-done period piece type of map for the Isle of Dread, go here. And they linked me over this this map that I put up under the map section. Like an old school, it's got dinosaurs and 
fantastic creatures and everything and it's a really awesome Isle of Dread map in fact it's fantastic so if you love X1 the classic Isle of Dread module uh, you'll definitely want to check out that map thank you for finding that somewhere Orloff two minute tabletop Ross from two minute tabletop does these awesome maps I've mentioned a couple times before at least once before that are kind of hand drawn and have a really unique style my players love them and they put this stuff up where you can you know tip for a donation or just download the stuff for free and they they've got some new sewer map assets sewer map tiles as well as an asset pack with debris bridges and decorations to where you can build your own sewers uh, for virtual tabletops so I had to put that up if you're doing some adventuring down in the stinking sewers you can check that out over at twominutetabletop.com uh, it's got links to the sewer map tiles as well as the assets and everything and uh, if you like that stuff be sure to tip Ross for it then I'm going over to the Crooked Staff blog crookedstaff.blogspot.com this is a uh, they list themselves as CSP Chris on here, but I think it's Christian Richards is their name. But they put up a couple of VTT virtual tabletop map tiles, including ones with like a chasm with a kind of rickety bridge going over it. And I thought this was awesome because it just reminded me a little bit of games that I've run, campaigns I've run. And whenever you've got players and they see that rickety bridge, you know, you can almost feel their heart skip a beat because <laughs> falling off one of these things if you're fighting on it it's certain death there's no ifs ands or buts about it it's death falling off this these things so uh, a nice looking tile there you can just uh, go over to the crooked staff blog download that stuff and be sure to check out their other stuff they got a lot of good stuff over there and then finally I'm going over to Alex Schroeder Alex Schroeder dot ch alex schroeder has set up so much helpful stuff uh, that i've mentioned many times old school rpg planet a bunch of other stuff helping out gamers celebrating the blogs and everything else they put up a post about map tutorials random find of the day these map drawing tutorials and this will take you over to the vulpanoid games site observations of the fox and i am familiar with vulpanoid games uh reviewed an excellent product that they had done uh, that was um, based around Judge Dredd called the the law, and uh, this is going back to a post from some time ago, I believe. Uh, let's see if it tells me when it was. Classic Frost Silence, oh yeah, from 2013 and 2014, but they go step by step on all these map tutorials, and it's really awesome. Geomorphs. Uh, isometric maps it's it's a great 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 resource if you do your own maps and stuff thank you alex for for digging that up thank you to uh vulpanoid studios for having that stuff up really good advice step by step and that kind of stuff uh if you're if you're into doing rpg cartography not a ton of reviews today, um, but there are a few kind of major products, or at least one you know, really major product that came out. The new D&D 5e adventure, Baldur's Gate Descent into Avernus, is out. I actually got my copy, my Amazon copy in the mail, uh, just a few days ago and put it straight on the shelf. Gotta be honest, there's no way I'm running that anytime 
anytime soon, but uh, you know, collect all the 5e stuff. I think the only thing I don't have is the Acquisitions Incorporated bug. I'll wait for that one to get marked down a little bit more, but uh, but I grabbed this stuff and it looks really nice. I gotta admit, um, it looks really good. And there's three reviews that I found, so you can get an overload on uh, the reviews for this thing from ComicBook.com, the Tribality site, which is a great website, Tribality.com, and then ArcaneEye.com also did a uh, review of that. So if you're interested in the brand new 5e Descent into Hell, Hell. You'll want to check that stuff out. You'll be, certainly if you're into 5e, you'll be hearing a lot about that adventure over the next uh, weeks to months. I'm sure there'll be lots of support on the DMs Guild. Um, probably some Adventures League adventures, you know, set all around that. So that is the next big kind of storyline going on. Switching gears over at the Beyond Fommelhout site that Milan, a.k.a. Gabor Lux, runs. And I might as well mention, I just today ordered the new Echoes from Fommelhout zine from Gabor, a number six. It's got to be one of the best, if not the best, OSR zine that is still active right now. So check that out if you're into zines. But Gabor is doing a review of another zine that I've received, I'm happy to say, from Ben L., a.k.a. Ben Lawrence, through Alton's Door, number two. These are really high quality zines I'm talking about, not just from Ben L, but also from Gabor. Um, they've elevated zines into kind of really, honestly, you know, an art form. So it's fantastic. Got a great review. Uh, I don't know if Through Elton's Door Number One is still in print or not, but you need to check it out if it is. These are ones you don't want to miss, so check that out for sure. Uh, and then the, uh, the other review I wanted to mention over at uh, Reviews from Royer, Royer Reviews from Pookie UK. They're doing a review of a scenario for the game Coriolis from Free League Publishing. And the reason I mentioned this is because I really like Coriolis. I'm not super familiar with it. It's a game that I can say I missed out twice on the Kickstarters. I should have backed it the first time. Then I had a chance where I could have bought all the books from somebody on Google+. And I was just kind of like, I don't know why I was hesitant to, to buy it all. Because it was a great deal. And then they even had another Kickstarter where you could have gotten everything again. And I, and, I'm, and I missed it again or just slept on it again. But really cool kind of dice pool D6 game. Uh, awesome setting. Sci-fi deal. So, um, if you haven't checked out Coriolis, um, it's worth taking a look at really, really awesome, um, game that I'd love to spend more time with playing. In fact, I probably need to set like an eBay alert or something on that one. If I can find, uh, you know, find the core book and a couple of these adventures and screen and all that kind of stuff, then I need to, need to just grab it. And now a word from our sponsors. All right, let's get rolling. Random tables and generators. And this is a week where there was really high-quality random table stuff. Usually, I mean, there's always a lot of it. Usually, I'll try to whittle it down to, uh, you know, around three things just for time's sake. But some of the stuff was so great this week. I've got more than usual, so hope you're ready to roll because I'm starting over with Cackle Charms the mansgaming.blogspot.com blog. I love Cackle Charm stuff. They did a really good one this week. Bloodthirsty Gladiator Generator. 
This generator can be used to create arena champions, leaders of unscrupulous mercenaries, or an especially untrustworthy and violent fighter hireling. So let's check out their age and appearance of this bloodthirsty gladiator. They are graying at the edges, clearly losing their speed, but they make up for it in skill and experience. What about their armor and gear? They fight naked as much as possible. It wouldn't be fair otherwise. Their weapon and fighting style. Uh, they use a javelin with a net. Classic gladiator setup. Nets and stabs. Oh, and full frontal nudity, right? Don't forget that. Their cheating method. How do they cheat? Uh, that one won't work because they're not wearing armor. They cheat. They have spies give them details on opponents' weapons, armors, fighting, uh, fighting style, and stance. So they've got they've got fans, fans of the nudity, that are giving them details on their their upcoming opponents. And finally, their favorite part of killing people. They don't like the killing as much as being the best at it. So that fits. That fits. So good stuff there. Generate a bloodthirsty gladiator over at themancegaming.blogspot.com. And Hunter from DIY and Dragons has been doing these Dungeon Alphabet Dozens recently. Now they're doing E is for Echoes. Roll D12 for a random inexplicable echo of the underworld. Inexplicable echoes. Say that five times fast. Alright. So the echo repeats only the last word of each sentence and repeats it three times 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 hey that reminds me of when i give uh urls to y'all frostopdnd.blogspot.com come come let's do one more on here one more inexplicable echo and the echo has a horribly unconvincing french accent so yes E is for Echoes over at DIY and Dragons. Then I like this one for it's just pure simplicity. Shane Ward, legendary, noted anchorite from the Gilligan's Isle of ADD podcast and Three three Toadstools Publishing at threetoadstools.blogspot.com. No frills, just D10 rumors. A few rumors. All right, nothing to it. Just roll. Uh, yeah, here's a rumor for you. A local dog gave birth to something ungodly. All right. Let's do one more on here. And, uh, the water in the local well has turned purple. It tastes fine. So, I don't know, just something about that, this D10 rumor table from Shane that I, I really enjoyed. D10 rumors over at Three Toadstools. Then we've got the Just Abyss Business blog. Just Abyss Bit. Just Abyss Biz. Blogspot.com. This is Slugger's blog. And they've got a modern everyday name generator. Every day I see people around me. What are their names? And just click here Chictoria Porker. Uh, Wooth Repera. Mario Butler. Dean Kennedy. Killiam Globberts. <laughs> so, uh, there's there's just some wild, you know, just weird, funny names on there. Just click and, and see what you come up with. All right. <laughs> I 
Uh, I crack myself up sometimes. All right. Love Ezra Bloom's work over at the Rose and Kingfisher blog. Roseandkingfisher.blogspot.com. Great stuff. Here's another good post. This one is a D100 trash and junk table. So I'm just going to roll on this a couple times, see what we get. Just random trash and junk. Wow, 100. That's the second time I've rolled a 100 while I've been uh, doing random tables before. It's an actual kind of treasure. Use your favorite minor items table. So hey, that's not random junk. That's actually good stuff because I rolled a 100. Let's try to get some trash and cool junk here. Uh, a stuffed toy. What kind? It is a stuffed displacer beast. And what's some other junk? Random stuff. Very stale scones. They can be thrown as projectiles dealing 1d4 damage. This is a d100 table. Trash and junk table over at Rose and Kingfisher. Very cool. Check it out. And then finally with the random tables. And Kalajan TB at the Of Slugs and Silver blog has put up a post called The Best OSR Tables. And I just put this up. I'm not going to roll on these. But it's links to a bunch of different random tables they like. So there's a bunch of these on here. So if you're a random table junkie, you like listening to me talk about random tables, um, there's all kinds of good... Uh, Good links over here, everything from village generators to minor magical items, bargain bin spells, curses, 100 items to solve problems, a distant land generator, just a bunch of stuff. So go over and check out uh, what are, the, in their opinion, the best OSR tables over at, at of Slugs and Silver. All right, let's get into the free stuff. Some good stuff this week, and this was one of those weeks where I didn't really think I, I was compiling that much stuff. I guess it was kind of just after last week, there was so much. It just felt like, uh, uh, I felt like I didn't have a ton of material, but then when I went to put it all together and stuff, uh, it is a ton of material. So, uh, a ton of great free stuff, a ton of stuff just every week, bloggers killing it. So that's, that's one thing about this show. I don't ever have to, I mean, I do work to to follow along and, and, and save everything, but I should never doubt the bloggers. No matter what what week it is or whatever, they're going to come through. So I'm starting over at the Rust Monster Ate My Sword blog, rustmonsterateymysword.com. From the Vault, Temple of the Moon Worshippers. And it's talking about their old school games, their old Monty Hall games, and uh, they compiled a scan of uh, like this adventure that they ran from their mid '90s Beck Me D and D campaign, Temple of the Moon Worshippers. So uh, free PDF you can download, take you back in time to their their game back in the day. Great stuff from Rust Monster at My Sword. Check that out. Then I was talking uh, last week about Sholmont games. Um, ATX Redbeard over there doing these one-page prep um, PDFs that I really like. They take uh, Cecil Howe's hex kit, make up a couple of hexes, and then throw down some um, some information, maybe a random table or something, and slap up the PDF, and it's kind of instant adventure. This one's called To Think of the Life of a Man, so you can download that free PDF, that one-page prep PDF at SholmontGames.com. This was something cool. Pierrot says, 
pierrotsays.blogspot.com. They put up a really high quality PDF of the Mini Quest 2. And this is like a print and fold and cut board game kind of influenced by old school D&D and stuff and, you know, classic dungeon adventures. The artwork is incredible. It looks like it'd be a really f kind of fun little uh, board game you can cut out. It's got like a hex map as the board and stuff. And uh, like I say, really high quality artwork and layout and everything. And that's just like a free board game right there for you. So check that out at perosays.blogspot.com. There is a brand new Unearthed Arcana from Wizards. The Bard and Paladin, the uh, Bard College, the College of Eloquence, and the Paladin's new sacred oath, the Oath of Heroism. So you can download that for free over at the Wizards site. I got the link up where you can grab that. Uh, Norbert Matosh at darkwormcult.blogspot.com has done their version of the Traveler, of Traveler, the Traveler Freeform rules. So these are like ultra simplified. Uh, traveler rules, super condensator, the freeform traveler rules. There's two alternate covers for these. So if you like traveler or you want to check out a real simple variant on it, you can download that at darkwormcult.blogspot.com. Then over at Vetustos del Roll, vetustosdelroll.com. This is in Spanish, but they put up an adventure, Abandoned Station. And what they did is they took they said they took advantage of the Creative Commons license from one-page dungeon compendiums, and they've taken the abandoned station one-page dungeon from there and translated it into Spanish. And I thought this was a great idea um, of a, a version of uh, David Jackson's original work. And uh, <clears throat> so if you, you speak Spanish, this would be a great blog to follow along with. It looks like they're going to be, you know, translating... The, you know, I don't know if it's a regular thing, but they, they've got an, a number of adventures up here. Uh, and uh, they've got this one-page dungeon from a <clears throat> one-page dungeon compendium of 2016 translated to Spanish. The Estación Abandonada. Lester's Ramble. This is uh, Vance Atkins, Vance A's blog. Uh, I've mentioned them before. They're always putting up free PDFs. They'll take someone's map. Um, and and, and uh, stock it and everything. So they've got one for Matt Jackson, Legendary Anchorite, um, The Acid Cavern of Flim Dragoon, and they've got that statted out for you. So there's are real handy. I mean, this is a, one of those things, you know, it's like a three-page, four-page, you know, three pages of text and a, and a one-page, you know, map. This is, a, you know, instant game night right here. You got your game night. Game night, quick and easy and nice and free, you know. RPGs is the kind of thing where you, you don't have to spend money if you don't want to. You know what I mean? Uh, there's so much great free stuff. If you've got some dice, you can download rule books for free, download all this stuff for free, and you follow along with it every week. Pretty soon, you'll have more free stuff than you can even keep up with. All right, miscellaneous stuff. Starting over at GreyhawkOnline.com. This is a new series over there, Introducing 5e Players to Oith, Part 1. So this will be an ongoing weekly series. Uh, a new writer over there, John Roy, who is talking about um, you know, introducing new players to the Greyhawk setting. So I thought if you're a Greyhawk fan, this would be a cool one to follow along with. 
They say they're not going to bog them down with character restrictions, reading assignments, or anything like that. They're going to just try to immerse them in the world of Greyhawk. So that'll be interesting reading. I thought thought it was cool. Of course, I'm a huge Greyhawk fan. So check that out over at GreyhawkOnline.com. There are some more Dark Sun trading cards up on the Adventures Under the Dark Sun blog. I've been following these for a few weeks. And uh, Rajat99's got part four up here. So they've got some more on there. There's like a Thrykeen one that I put up. Um, you can check out. I thought these are cool. Really good article at Cannibal Halfling Gaming. RPG market data is a mess. It's from Aaron Marks. And it's true. Uh, it is hard to kind of, you know, you can tell that RPGs are, are really popular right now. You can tell, you know, it's driven by 5e and uh, streaming games and whatever else, but it talks about how finding real data is a struggle and uh, almost, you know, like nearly impossible. And um, they talk a little bit about trying to extrapolate data from drive through RPG, from the ICV2 market research firm that releases, you know, um, some information uh, from Roll20 stats that come out and everything. So it's kind of interesting article. They're kind of playing a detective here trying to, I can get some hypothetical numbers on RPG growth and, and that kind of thing. So interesting article there from Aaron Marks at Cannibal Halfling Gaming. RPG market data is a mess. Then if you're into D&D lore over at the Dumpstat blog, dumpstatadventures.com, they've got a post, the deep dive into the Blood War. So this is going into all the uh, um, Blood War lore that spans throughout 2nd edition, 3rd edition, 4th edition, and into 5th edition. So, um, and it is, like I say, a deep dive into like kind of the, the lore, the nine hells and the, the demons and, and uh, devils and all that stuff. So if you like that, I thought this was a well-written article that kind of compiles a lot of information in one place. So check out the Blood War Deep Dive over at dumpstatadventures.com. And then finally, you've probably seen this around the internet, but it's worth noting from Kotaku.com. Uh, they mentioned this truck. This was in Georgia here um, on I-75. And I-75, the traffic's bad enough without stuff like this happening. But there was a truck carrying gaming dice that spilled spilled the dice onto the highway. A bunch of uh, three pallets of Chessex six-sided gaming dice. And uh, it's it's got a video of people doing a cleanup. It's calling it the largest dice roll ever. Approximately 216,000 dice were rolled, and they estimate the roll totaled 756,000. So, um, anyway, uh, just something kind of interesting, peripheral to the hobby that happened. Uh, people literally using shovels to shovel up the six-sided dice there on I-75 here in Georgia. All right, for the final topic tonight, nothing controversial this week. Uh, just a great post. I've already mentioned Ben L. does it through Alton's Door uh, zine, a review of their zine earlier. They do the Missourians Garden blog, MissourianSGarden.blogspot.com, and they put up just a wonderful, amazing, fun post this week celebrating character sheets and looking at all of these amazing, amazing character sheets um stuff from people's house rule lamentations games uh one from uh the character sheet for numenera um stuff from mothership 
DCC, all this kind of stuff, and it's just really, really cool. And it just got me thinking about character sheets. That's just one of those those great things about any game, really. And it's just funny, you know, people end up, I know I do, kind of gravitating to your own your own sheet, you know. And there, first of all, there's so many great OSR sheets where some of these artists, like uh, you'll see James West does a lot of them, and where people draw this amazing artwork and kind of fit the stats in here and there and everything. But for me, you know, what my favorite as far as D&D goes, it comes down to those old, like, goldenrod, you know, first edition AD&D sheets. And I remember those were, you know, they're called the goldenrod sheets, but they were like gold to us, you know. We didn't have easy access to a, a copier or anything back then, you know. So I think we were all, like, allowed one of those, you know. So it was... Um, <laughs> You know, very careful when you have a sheet like that nice. It, it's not like writing out your stuff down on notebook paper and scribbling through or and all this. It was very exacting. You know, the best handwriting I could do, writing as small as I could to write in a, a weapon or whatever. I remember just, you know, I had an allotment of one of those. You know, everything else was just, scra you know, was just scratch paper. Um, but uh, it's funny that that sheet kind of the same way that so many of those early things, you know, made an imprint on me to where, you know, years later when I saw it, it was like, you know, flooding back, memories flooding back. Um, that sheet is the same way to where even now, like someone has made a, uh, a fifth edition sheet that mimics the layout of that first edition AD&D sheet. And uh, that's the one that I'll, you know, I like to use. Also, since I like zines and pamphlets and stuff like that, now for this other, uh, a friend of mine that's in my uh, Night Below game is going to run a 5e game maybe on Sundays, and I'm, I'm wanting to play this really kind of completely um, narcissistic paladin that like helps people, but you almost wish he hadn't because he's such a jerk about it, kind of like, oh, you, my poor lady, my poor poverty-stricken, oh, you're of such low birth, it's not your fault, oh, you you poor woman, here, you know, I'll help you, you know, <laughs> I don't know, I, I just got a kind of a vague concept of it, I just think it'll be funny, uh, funny at the table, this kind of narcissistic uh, paladin, and it'll be a complete and total, you know, goody two-shoes too, uh, you know, he, he, he'll he try to avoid killing things when he can, and, you know, I'm sure the party's going to hate him, but I, I, I've already told the DM about it, so... <sighs> I'm not playing it to be uh, disruptive or anything. It's really playing it for for the humor's sake. But I'm getting off the topic here. But anyway, for that for that game, I found this cool where somebody had made where you print it to a booklet form, so it's almost like having a zine character sheet, and I really like that. So character sheets just add something to the game. They help you personalize your character. They, you know, everybody finds their own ones that they like, and um, these are world-class like it's got ones you've probably seen like dyson did a great bx sheet on here um ones for a bunch of different games too some that i'm not so familiar with but um these are outstanding uh definitely get over and click on this and and scroll through these and take a look at all these because uh um you know even something like character character sheets when given to people that are rp into rpgs or OSR games or whatever, even something as simple as a character sheet can be, um, you know, become 
you know, high, high art, you know, can become uh, world-class artwork. Um, and so, anyway, I thought that was a great post. Um, celebration of character sheets over at Mazirian's Garden. All right, so, well, that's the show for this week. Feels like I kind of breezed through it this week, uh, maybe more so than other weeks. I don't know, I'm going to listen back to it, make sure the... I know the sound is never great on these. It is what it is, but I make sure that I don't muffle myself uh, on accident or anything like that. I always double-check those sorts of things. But anyway, I hope you enjoyed it. I definitely uh, enjoyed bringing it to you. I appreciate the folks calling in, Joe, Jason, Liren. Appreciate y'all. Y'all be sure and go over and give Liren some love over at, over at her podcast for her uh, 100th episode. I did get some other call-ins about last week's um, 5-Minute Friday where I was talking about generic game systems. But I think I'm going to do something on Friday with that because I got a couple call-ins and I had a lot larger response on social media than I was expecting. I got a bunch of comments in different places on that. So it was enough stuff to maybe kind of make a follow-up episode for that. So you can look forward to that on Friday. Uh, talking about just games that uh, kind of the, uh, what would you call it? The Swiss Army Knife games where you can do everything with them. <clears throat> anyway, as always, I am thankful to folks for listening. Remember that all of these links, everything I mentioned, is in order over at the Thought Eater blog. Google that or go to frothsoftdnd.blogspot.com. I love getting uh, viewer feedback, whether it's from email at frothsoft at gmail.com. Or you can call in, if you've got the Anchor app, you can call in, leave me a message, I'll put you on the show. Big thanks to folks back me on Patreon. I uh, really appreciate y'all. Uh, thank you very much for your support. It does mean a lot. If anybody enjoys the stuff I'm doing, it's only a dollar a month. Look at it as like a little tip jar for what Froth is doing. You can go to patreon.com forward slash thought eater and support me over there. And I've got that usual hump day feeling that I forgot to say something, but... It's gone. Whatever it was, it is gone. So, Logan, bring that beat back. Sickly platypus, a psychic grenade. Zeroing in on your mental trade. Gonna help you escape from the grind. Thought eater gonna blow your mind. Boom, 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 boom